Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are worthy. You are worthy, O oh Lord, to receive honor and glory and praise. Beloved, I want to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Colossians, to Colossians chapter 3. In the message last week, I shared with you on the theme of what Canada needs. What Canada needs is summarized so beautifully in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Here it is. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony, in perfect harmony. This is part two in this message of what Canada needs. In last week's message, we focused on two simple but powerful truths. Verse 12 tells us to clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, which is compassion, Compassion. Some of your Bible translations use the word compassion. The New Living Translation that I read from uses the word or words tender-hearted mercy. And then we talked about kindness, kindness. Clothe yourselves with kindness. And I, I challenged us last week and I said, let's go forth this week. And, and exercise, show in one way or another, show compassion, show kindness. And I believe that many of you in one context or another, whether it was at home, at work, in the community, at a grocery store, I believe that many of you showed compassion and kindness in various ways. And so now we continue on in verse 12, in verse 12, and verse 12 tells us to clothe ourselves with humility, with humility. This is not a, a word or a truth that is often spoken of by most of us, although we read about it in the Bible quite a bit. But verse 12 tells us to put on or to clothe ourselves to make humility a vital part of our individual lives. There are other places in the Bible that speak of humility as well. For example, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, And all of you, all of you, watch this, watch this, dress yourselves, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And in Philippians, in our Bible, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we read, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And it goes on, it says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Amen? 
So, so, what, what might we say? What is the definition of humility? Well, to begin with, humility, humility is not, it's not going around saying, oh, I am useless, all right? Humility is not going around saying, oh, I'm useless, or I'm so dumb, or I, I am no good for anything, or I'm garbage. That, that's, not, that's not humility. In fact, God says, you are useful. God says, you are wonderfully made, and you are a special creation. You are precious to the Lord. And so I did some study, I did some further study on this word humility this, this week. And, and as I studied humility, I believe there are two very important aspects of humility. To begin with, humility reminds us of the, the greatness of the Lord compared to who we are. In other words, humility is intended to help us or inspire us to, to see the magnificence and the awesomeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. A good Bible example of true humility would be the, the Roman officer, sometimes called in the Bible the centurion, who asked Jesus to heal his very sick slave. Uh, listen, listen to this from the, the Gospel of Luke. Don't, don't you turn to it, but I'm just going to turn to it. Listen to it, to, to uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, and it says this. Here it is. Chapter 7 reads as follows. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer... Some of your Bibles say centurion. The highly valued, uh, valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said. For he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Verse 6, so Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say this, to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. He said, I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Now, I want you to notice especially those last couple of verses where, where he says, Lord, referring to Jesus, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of who you are, and my servant where I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. That Roman officer, as I said, was a centurion, meaning he was a captain. He was a captain in charge of a hundred men. He had an important responsibility. He had class, they would say, in his society. 
but he saw himself in relation to the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. And my friends, humility reminds us of the greatness of who Jesus is compared to who we are. And we still think, think of the, 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 the wonderful person that we are made by the Lord, but we are also in awe of who the Lord himself is. Amen? Amen? There's a second important aspect to humility, and I believe it is nicely stated by the Collins English Dictionary, which says this. It says, someone who has humility is not proud and does not believe they are better than others. That is a beautiful summary, I believe, of humility. Humility is not proud and does not believe they are better than others. My friends, I believe from a, a practical viewpoint, that is the key. That is the key. Not being proud, not letting our successes go to our head, and we refuse to treat other people. We refuse to treat other people in a negative way, but rather we see the value, the value in each person, regardless of how young, how old he or she is, whatever cultural or racial background he or she comes from. We see the beauty, the magnificent uh, way in which God has made each person, and we say, Lord, I see your, your beauty in each person, Man, woman, teenager, or child. Amen? Philippians 2, verse 3, in fact, says, Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Amen. And that, to me, is a wow, is a wow thought. Okay, Colossians 3, verse 12, continues with, Clothe yourselves with gentleness, it says. It, it continues on and, and tells us to include gentleness. This is something very much needed in our country of Canada, in our province, in our city, in our own local church, and in your individual family, in your individual family, gentleness. I like, I like what uh, Dr. Curtis Vaughn in the Expositor's Bible Commentary says about gentleness. He says, gentleness is the special mark of a person, listen to this, special mark of a person who has a delicate, who has a delicate consideration for the rights and feelings of others. Let that soak in, let that soak in. Gentleness is the special mark of a person who has a delicate consideration for the rights and feelings of others. Isn't that beautiful? Right? Someone else, uh, Dr. Mool, defines gentleness as willingness, willingness to make concessions. Willingness to make concessions. Do you, do you, dear friends up in the balcony, radio listeners, radio listeners, do you delicately consider the rights and feelings of others? 
Do you willingly, do you willingly make concessions? That means do you regularly give in? Give in? Or does everything have to be your way or the highway? Huh? Does everything have to be your way or the highway? Or do you willingly make concessions? Jesus, Jesus said of himself, he said, I am humble and gentle at heart. I am humble, says Jesus. I am humble and gentle at heart. That's Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He is humble and gentle. Are you? Am I? Galatians 5.23 tells us that gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. As I was reflecting upon gentleness, I, I thought of something that happened this week at a hospital that I was at. I go to many hospitals to see and to pray, to read Scripture and pray with people, people from our church family, people that Others of you asked me to go see or ask uh, our other pastors. And uh, I was at one of our major hospitals this week. And as I was in the intensive care waiting area, I saw this big, this big sign that basically said, that basically said, uh, abuse, abuse of staff and volunteers is not tolerated. Uh, it will not be put up with. Every worker here, every volunteer, forget the exact uh, words, but essentially the message was, don't mess with the staff, the paid staff, or the volunteers. Now, what, what especially struck me was, it just seemed like this past year, this past year, I have seen this wording, this sign, repeatedly throughout all the hospitals I go to. I mean, I see it posted all over the place. I don't know if you've noticed. And Now, maybe they, these signs were posted years ago. They probably were, except this past year, I have just repeatedly seen them again and again to the point, to the point that after I asked the volunteer in the cubicle in this in very busy, very busy intensive care unit, if I could see a particular patient, I, I thought, you know, let me just ask, why are there so many of these postings all over the place? So I just said, I just said, uh, you know, I'm puzzled as to why there's this big sign here and they are all over the hospital and all over other hospitals. I'm wondering, why, why are these warnings and these signs about making sure people don't abuse the staff, and uh, don't abuse verbally or physically. I said, like, I, I, I'm just overwhelmed as to how many signs like this I've seen. Uh, I said, is there a problem? Like, you know, is there a problem? Like, do people really get out of hand often or what? I, I didn't know what to expect. And then, uh, and then this dear volunteer said, said to me, Pastor, the signs are there because unfortunately, she said, unfortunately, 
there are a lot of people who when they don't get their way with the staff, when they, if they don't get their way with the staff or with us volunteers, they, they scream and shout, they, they, they call all kinds of names, and sometimes they get physical. And, uh, and I said, like, it really gets bad like that sometimes? Unfortunately, yes. And then she pointed, she pointed to, to, a, to a button and said, you see this button here? If I press it, four security people come running. I said, wow. I said, so that's why all these signs are up. And she said, yes, unfortunately, she said, there are just so many people who, uh, who just are miserable and, and won't be patient uh, when we tell them that they can't see their, their family member or their friend right away, they get angry and they just swear at people and do all kinds of things. And, and I said, so now, now I better understand why these signs are all over the place. She said, unfortunately, that's how it is. So I say that to say what Canada needs and what the Lord needs from you and me and from every person all around us is gentleness. Amen? Is, is, is gentleness. Boy, clothe yourselves with gentleness. Let's move on to the next, to the next uh, truth, and it is this. Patience. Clothe yourselves, verse 12, with patience. The Greek word which is translated patience here is macrothumia, macrothumia. It refers, it refers to how a person puts up with injury and insult without resorting to hasty retaliation. That's, that's, what, that's the essence of macrothumia translated patience. It refers to a person putting up with injury and insult without res resorting to hasty retaliation. A man's car, a man's car stalled in the heavy traffic as the light turned green. All his efforts to start the engine failed and then a chorus of honking, honking behind him made matters worse. He finally got out of his car, walked back to the first driver and he said, you know, he said, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I can't seem to get my car started. If you'll go up there and give it a try, I'll stay here and blow your horn for you. <laughs> there is a great need for patience in traffic, isn't there? There's a great need. Uh, this week, this week I've heard of of several very major serious accidents in our city in very good weather, totally good weather. In fact, this morning, this morning I was, I was praying for some people on, on the 401 as I was coming to church because there was a very serious accident in the collector lanes on the 401. I was praying for whoever because the two cars that I saw, I was in the, in the express lanes, the two cars that I saw were very terribly Damaged, and I thought, dear Lord, I pray that whoever was in those cars is okay or will be okay. But I, I say this to, to say, my friends, 
in a week of, of, for the most part, very good weather, there have been several very serious, very major, very tragic accidents in our city. And obviously, I don't know, and you don't know all the details, but I would venture to say that a large, or at least some of those accidents were caused because of one person or another refusing to show patience, refusing to, to give in, refusing to give in, in at, at, at some traffic point. Patience. I was interested to see how, if, if I look up or if you look up the word patient in the Webster's Dictionary, it says, bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. And patience, by the way, is also a fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And so the question is, are you a person? Are you a person of patience. Oh, I understand that all of us will on occasion get a little, 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 little edgy and all that, but overall, overall, the Lord is able to create within us that which needs to happen so that we are filled with patience. Referring to mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Dr. Curtis Vaughn says this. He says, they point, they point to those qualities of life which, if present in the community of believers, will eliminate or at least reduce frictions. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Then we move to verse 13. Verse 13. All right? Verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. What's that? It's talking about Overlook faults. All right, number four. Overlook faults. Make allowance for each other's faults. That's the New Living Translation. The New International Version says, bear with each other. Now, you know what? Some people seem to specialize in finding faults in others. You know what? If you want... If you look hard enough, you, in fact, you don't even have to look hard. You can find faults in me. Yeah? And I can find faults in you. Yeah? All right? Now, some folks, unfortunately, seem to specialize in finding faults. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says this. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own, you have a log in your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And then Jesus says, hypocrite, hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Amen? Overlook faults. Do you overlook faults? Or do you turn minors into majors? Minors into majors. Amen? And then verse 13 goes on, and it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And that, of course, speaks of practice. Forgiveness, 
practice forgiveness. Is there anyone in your life at this time, at this point in your journey, is there anyone that you need to forgive? Many times, you know, if we refuse to forgive, the one, the one that we are hurting the most is ourselves. You know? If we refuse to forgive, we end up, we end up taking the brunt of the toll, the pain. And many times, many times, someone else, whoever that person is that really upsets you, many times they, they have forgotten it or put it aside, and they're not even thinking about it. But meanwhile, meanwhile, it's eating you up. I want to invite you today to practice forgiveness, to say, Lord, help me to forgive this person, whatever the wrong is, whatever the wrong was that they did towards you, whether it was at work or school, at home, at church, in your community, in some grocery store, wherever it might be, the Word of God says, forgive anyone who offends you. And then here's what else Canada needs and you and I need. Number six, practice love. Practice love. Verse 14 says, above all, Clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect unity. Clothe yourselves with love. In his book, Written in Blood, some of you have maybe heard this story. In his book, Written in Blood, Robert Coleman tells the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. The doctor had explained that she had the same disease the boy had recovered from two years earlier. Her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal donor. Would you give, would you give your blood to Mary, the doctor asked. Johnny hesitated. His lower lip started to tremble. And then he smiled and he said, sure, sure, for my sister, I will, I will. Soon the two children were wheeled into the hospital room. Mary, pale and thin. Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke. But when... But when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. He grinned. As the nurse inserted the, the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded away. He watched the blood flow through the tube. With the ordeal almost over, his voice slightly shaky broke the silence. And then the little boy said, Doctor, when do I die? When do I die? And only then did the doctor realize why Johnny had hesitated, why his lip had trembled, trembled when he'd gathered, when he'd agreed to donate his blood. 
He thought, he thought giving his blood to his sister meant giving up his life. In that brief moment, he'd made his great decision. Johnny, fortunately, didn't have to die to save his sister. Each of us, however, has a condition more serious than Mary's, and it requires Jesus to give us just, not just his blood. It requires Jesus to give us not just his blood, but his life. He gave his life. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus showed the greatest love for you and me and for people of all generations. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has practiced love towards you and you and you up in the balcony and towards me. Let us practice that love towards one another. And let us also respond to the love that God has shown to us through, through the crucifixion of his son Jesus. Let us respond to that love and say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I dedicate myself to you. I want to love you, Lord, with all that I am. Amen. That's what Canada needs. Canada needs humility, gentleness, patience, overlooking of faults, practicing forgiveness, practicing love. Let's pray. Lord, may you work in our hearts and lives to bring about the reality of these truths in each life, each heart. Oh God, inspire us, enable us, empower us to show compassion and kindness and all these beautiful, beautiful characteristics that your word has, has taught us today. And overall, we want to put on, as you have said, love that binds them all together in perfect unity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.